During that silence, I really feel like you could hear the sweat dripping off my fat face. The new show nine. I'm Joe. I'm Alan. And I'm Dan. And we're back. And we've got some more questions for you. You can send us those questions either via email show at the new dot show or on Twitter at ask new show. And do let us know if you want to remain anonymous. Otherwise, we might read your name out. And you can support creation of these episodes. Go to patreon.com slash asknewshow. And if you support us for $5 or more on there, you can get an advert-free RSS feed. So check that out. And thank you to everyone who's supporting us already. It really is appreciated. So the first one then. What is the longest you've gone without showering or bathing? And this is from Link. So I definitely grew up in a household where as a child, I didn't know it wasn't normal to shower like once a week. <laughs> Wait, what? Yeah, as a kid, it was just like, oh, you're a kid. You don't need to shower. All- you shower once a week. That's fine. <laughs> I, I didn't know that that wasn't weird. <laughs> the more you tell us about your background, the more worried I get, man. So uh, <laughs> as a kid, you know, you go for for a little bit there without showering. But as an adult, uh, as an adult that knows better, the longest I go without showering is if I'm on like a camping trip, you know, and I feel like you know, if you're swimming or whatever, then you could, you know, not feel gross for the three days you're camping or whatever. But normally I feel disgusting if I haven't showered for more than a day. I, I religiously shower. I think I agree with you in terms of, uh, like now modern times, you know, as a grown up adult with a functioning brain. But, uh, when I was younger, I think before I met girls, I think, uh, was probably when I used to go for long periods where, uh, the main staples would be the overuse of deodorant and talcum powder, uh, to combat the problems of not having had a shower. Uh, yeah, I think that would have been around about the time when I could have gone for days without having a shower. And then I met girls and realized actually you need to, if you want to, if you want to have someone stay near you for long periods of time and develop a relationship you need to actually wash now and then uh yeah if i hadn't met girls i probably still would be a filthy stinky bastard right now (laughs) i don't know what was around when you were a kid but for me it's like axe body spray had just come out like as i was hitting puberty so it was a fucking terrible combination because it was like oh yeah it's normal (laughs) to not shower for a week axe body spray's Covers it up. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. Over here, it's called Lynx. Uh, it's the same stuff. Yeah. Lynx Africa, for example. Uh, yeah. And it was a, it was a big thing when I was a teenager as well. And it very much was covered up with Lynx. For me, the longest I've been was a week. And that wasn't very long ago, but that was because we went on holiday to an Airbnb and the shower was just fucking terrible. Uh, I, it just no pressure. The, the temperature was all over the place. It was tiny and cramped, but there was a swimming pool. And this swimming pool was just just so bleachy, chlorine-y that I felt fine. I'll just get in there, swish my bits about or whatever. That's as clean as bathing in, in a bath. So I just did that every day instead and just called it a day. I suppose if you're covered in chlorine, that's probably close enough (laughs) yeah it was high it was more chlorine than a standard pool i think like more than a public pool it you stank of bleach basically after getting out of it and i felt just clean enough and i wasn't getting in that crap shower so 
I don't know, call me uh, disgusting if you like, but I felt pretty clean. It feels like a follow-on question from this is, how bad does a shower have to be for you to not use it? Is it the temperature that's all over the place, the crampedness? Is it the lack of any kind of soap or shower gel, which may be a mistake on your own part? But what what constitutes shower not being good enough? Is it that your body touches two sides of the shower cubicle at the same time? Does that make it too small? Well, it's mostly about height. I think this one was over a bath. Um, and I just can't, couldn't fit in there because I'm massive. I'm like six foot four or whatever. And so standing in a bath that's already off the floor or whatever, and it was quite a low ceiling, I just it was all like hunched over in there. It was just a nightmare. And I'm not sitting in a filthy bath to get showered. So fuck it, jump in the pool every morning. I feel like as long as the water is not brown, I'm figuring it out. <laughs> I'm getting that shower done. Apparently I'm disgusting then. Okay. <laughs> I've certainly gone for a couple of days through adulthood where the amenities haven't been great. I went camping with the kids and obviously there was no shower. I'm not traipsing across a field in a dressing gown and slippers or like hobnail boots across a muddy field in order to have a shower and then traipse back. So yeah, there's probably been a couple of days. I think probably the longest, if I'm being honest, I may have had a downtime where I've maybe gone four days. Ugh, you animal. Maybe if the family are away and I'm having a particularly slobby time, then yeah, I might go for a few days. But yeah, I think that's about it. It's common for someone to have only used Windows or Mac, but what traits do you think people who have only used Linux would have? And this is from VG. They try to do everything in the terminal, everything, all of it, constantly. No matter how easy it is to do in the regular user interface, they cannot figure it out unless it's in the terminal. Well, so they'd try and use the terminal in Windows and Mac if they were forced to, you mean? Yeah, they'd just be like super... Con- they even do it on on other Linux operating systems right now. But they'd go there and they'd be like, I don't know how to fucking change the wallpaper without using the terminal. I must admit, when I'm forced to use a Mac, I do tend to use the terminal more than most people. Oh, the terminal in macOS is so bad. I don't know. I feel like the archetypal person who's only used Linux is likely to be an Android or Chrome OS user. And so they're likely to be completely oblivious if they've managed to stroll into a store that sells computers and phones and bought themselves a phone that is a, I don't know, probably Samsung branded because the Apple branded one is too expensive, then they're using a Samsung phone. And then later they decide they need a full fat computer because they need to do stuff for college or whatever it might be, or maybe they're starting a business or something and they've got a low budget. They go to a computer store and buy a Chromebook because it's like the lowest price thing that can open a web browser in the shop. And so I think what sums up those people is oblivious. They're oblivious that they're running Linux. They're just using a device to get a job done, much like I would use a washing machine or a fridge to get a job done. I think maybe we overthink the people who are deeply technical and we pay too many too much lip service to those people who are linux nerds and maybe we should aim for those people who just want to go and buy a computer 
I think the implication for the question was desktop GNU slash Linux, to be fair, and not Chrome OS. I think you've uh, taken it a bit away from the point. I think that's exactly the point, though. That's precisely my point, is that we focus too much on the nerd who thinks desktop Linux is this thing that has a package manager that's all very complicated. And like Dan says, you have to use a terminal in order to use it. I don't think that has to be the case. We need to embrace all the ways in which we use Linux. But then the question isn't as fun. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. And it's boring because it's like, I don't know, they would just use it like they, because they their toaster runs Linux and so is their TV. And that's what's so frustrating is that people f- have this blinkered view that in order to be a Linux user, you have to be an Arch Linux user. And anyone else is not a proper dyed in the wool, proper Linux user. Well, fuck those guys, because that's not true. There are way more people running Linux on not conventional, whatever you want to call it, Linux desktop uh, environments than there are people running conventional Linux desktop environments. Get over it. Yeah, I mean, you're you're right. And probably all the people, not all of them, but the vast majority of people running Ubuntu are are probably completely unaware of Linux internals or have no idea what Linux is or care. Yeah, the vast majority of those people just use a browser mostly, you would imagine. Right, and the same goes for Chrome or a Samsung phone. Yeah. You're using a device to get a job done. Your goal is to type documents. It's not, I want to run free software. The goal is, I want to create documents in order to store my notes, or I want to create spreadsheets in order to track my invoices. There's goals that users have, which is not, I want software freedom. It's, I want to achieve a goal. And it turns out that Chrome OS and Android fulfill that. And obviously, Ubuntu fulfills that, and Windows 10 with WSL fulfills that, and lots of other environments fulfill that. But the nerds need to stop thinking that the only way to fulfill that is with a traditional Linux desktop environment. There are other ways to do it too, and still be Linux. Ah, Way to ruin all our fun. Well, if we take it as meaning GNU slash Linux desktop, like Ubuntu or Arch or whatever, I feel like the traits they would have is more curiosity about how the system works. I think to get to the point where you're using Linux, you kind of have to care about that. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the average person or most people don't care about that. But I I feel like the, the traits they'd have would be sort of getting pissed off at the lack of transparency with updates, for example, or just the lack of transparency generally with other operating systems. And when things break, not really knowing why they've broken and not being able to look at logs and stuff like that. Maybe my view's totally wrong. Yeah, I don't think you can generalize like that. It's like saying, what's the rationale for someone building their own car? Woohoo, car analogy. Like, it's not that BMW did it wrong or Mercedes did it wrong. People who build their own AC Cobra don't do it because Mercedes did it wrong. They do it for their own reasons. It's a project or maybe it's a hobby or maybe it's just something they feel like they want to do and they feel like they can have complete control over the thing. I don't think there's a cookie cutter persona that you could draw that would be, this is a Linux user. They're all too different. I don't know, man. I feel like there are some people out there that are very loud that will tell you that how could you be so arrogant, Alan, that you, the 
top guy at huge corporation that has spent research and hours and whatever coming up with the solution. How could your monumental arrogance lead you to the conclusion that you did it right? When I, hobbyist who have spent maybe five hours of my spare time, clearly can do it better. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I don't claim we do it right. For sure. Like, there's plenty of people who want to do things differently. And hey, isn't Linux all about choice? <laughs> Grown. This episode is sponsored by LearnIt. Sign up at automation.link and use the code The New Show before the end of August to upgrade and get free access to a beta of a new DevOps training site called LearnIt. The site covers the entire DevOps stack, starting with the basics of infrastructure as code, and includes almost eight hours of lessons on Terraform, Ansible, Jenkins, and loads of industry tips along the way. If you're interested in learning DevOps, take advantage of this free offer by visiting automation.link and upgrade before the end of August with the code The New Show. That's automation.link and the code The New Show. Has your music taste changed significantly compared to being a teenager? If yes, what did you listen to back then that you can't really stand anymore? And the other way around, that you listen to now and did not enjoy at all back then? I think for me, mostly it's a case of not discovering new music very much anymore. My taste used to be... Um, discovering new stuff all the time, borrowing CDs off people and recording stuff off the radio and watching music channels and stuff and, and learning about new music. Whereas now it's mostly I just listen to all the old shit that I used to. That's really interesting because I feel like, especially during like my teen years, I was very much like, no, I only listen to punk rock. That is the only music I will listen to ever for my entire life. And now I'm like... I don't know, this weird like African thing came up on my suggested list. I'm going to listen to the whole album. I feel like I have the most eclectic music collection I've ever had in my entire life now. And it's all just like super off the wall stuff that I would never have in a million years been exposed to. I'm mixed. There's a bunch of music that I used to listen to that I don't listen to anymore. A load of possibly not great rap music in the 90s and 80s, like uh, Eric B and Rakim and Kid and Play and um, stuff like that, that maybe I wouldn't listen to much now. But if I do put it on, I have a nostalgic memories of listening to that music back in the 80s, 90s. But the stuff that I definitely don't listen to anymore is the kind of poppy stuff that was around in the charts back then that I used to listen to. And I used to quite like, I used to play really loud in my car. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't listen to now. So yeah, I certainly, there's certainly songs that I look back on and think, yeah, I enjoyed that time. And I played, um, to Sam recently, I played, uh, public enemy, uh, to him and he wasn't impressed. Uh, but, I think it just came about because I mentioned Silly Rabbit and uh, it's something Flavor Flav says in um, in one of the Public Enemy songs. And he was like, what? And I played the song. And unfortunately, the bit, no, you can't have it back, Silly Rabbit, comes really late in the song. And so I had to play the whole thing to him for him to hear it. And he wasn't impressed. Uh, and I thought, oh, wow, I really love this song. And I really loved 
De La Soul, Three Feet High and Rising and stuff like that. And I could listen to that on a loop endlessly. But yeah, some of the stuff I used to listen to in the, uh, in the eighties. Yeah. No, I, I, I wouldn't admit to owning like six different versions of the vinyl 12 inch of that song. Definitely wouldn't admit to that. Uh, like different remixes of it and stuff. Yeah. No, not at all. That's hilarious. I feel like, uh, I, so I have a sister that's really into hip hop and I've showed her some of the stuff that I listened to, like the chronic and stuff like that. And she loved it. She was like, Oh my God, this is nasty. I love this. <laughs> Cause it was just so, it's like a different, you know, they just didn't care and, and the skits were weird and, you know, and there's something about it that it's, it's just a different time. I feel like the only thing that I listen to now and I get over pretty quickly is like dubstep, like some of those kind of like, you know, at the time it was like, oh, you know, this is weird and innovative and, you know, people aren't really doing stuff like this. And so it's like, okay, yeah, this is weird, but I like it. And now it's just like, eh, okay. It was novel at the time, but it wasn't like great music. I was quite a fan of Oasis when I was a young teen. And now I can't really stand that anymore because it's just so derivative and simple. And I know that some people probably still like it, but uh, when, once you kind of have your eyes opened, like you realize, well, hang on, the sound of it is basically the Sex Pistols. And then most of the songs and riffs are stolen and melodies or whatever, just basically stolen from other songs or borrowed or similar to or whatever you want to call it. And so I very much went off that and i just don't think i would ever listen to those old oasis songs anymore i think that's weird because everything is a derivative of something somewhere along the lines and and you probably use software that's a derivative of something else along the lines and to say oh not gonna look at or listen to or use that old thing that uh something else is based on because it's clearly derivative i think is is sad because you did enjoy it at some point and you probably still can enjoy it again. True, but now I prefer to listen to stuff that, although inspired by other stuff, isn't just derivative of it. Like, there's a difference as far as I'm concerned. Like, I recently discovered Madison Cunningham, who is a singer-songwriter, and her songs are clearly inspired by loads of different stuff, but she somehow makes it original at the same time. And so that's the kind of thing that I like, whereas things that are just obviously just almost lifted from other stuff like um cigarettes and alcohol for example is just a complete copy of a t-rex song and it's just just blatant like i i will play it sometimes on my guitar and my wife thinks that i'm playing t-rex because she knew that before oasis so stuff like that just makes me sort of look down on it really and just think that it's not for me anymore yeah, I think that's music snobbery. And that's one reason why I don't like talking about the music that I like. And I kind of veer away from talking about specifics is because I don't like that, that snobbery of, Oh, well, that's terrible because of this or that. And, and I feel it's okay to listen to stuff, even if it's bad or even if it's, um, derivative. I think it's fine. I think it's okay because T-Rex is good. So is Oasis. They're both great. Yeah, I would never criticize someone for what they listen to on their own time, in their own headphones or in their own car or whatever. Listen to what you like. I'm not going to take the piss out of you for it, but I'm just explaining why I don't personally choose to listen to it anymore. 
because I can't stand that kind of music snobbery where you're you're looking down on people for it. If you enjoy it, great, whatever. It's, as long as you don't inflict it on me, then I don't give a shit and I'm not going to take the piss out of you. But I think music snobbery where you make your own decisions, I think that's fine. Well, I'm going to look down on you for looking down on not looking down on people. <laughs> <laughs> What do you miss most from before the event? And once it's over, what's the biggest change in society you'd like to see most? And this is from Chris. Oh, wow. So what I miss is spontaneity. Like, I feel like we have to overthink everything. Like, anything where we have to leave the house, I have to overthink stuff. Like, will there be lots of people there? Do I need to have a mask? Are there rules that I'm breaking by doing this? Is there a bubble of a certain number of people that can be there? Uh, like my daughter's uh, school prom got canceled or pushed back until September. And it's just been pushed back until April next year, because there's a limit to the number of people who can go. Um, and you know, it's the, the reason obviously is sane, you know, for health and safety and all that, but it's just there are all these rules that are constantly changing that we have to adhere to. And I think we've, it, I understand why they exist, but I think we've lost the whole spontaneity. You can't just say, let's jump on a plane and go somewhere or let's jump in the car and go to the beach because there'll be a ton of people there and there'll be huge traffic jams getting there because everybody is thinking that. Um, or even just let's go down the shop and buy some you know, barbecue food because they might not have some or there might be a giant queue or, you know, there might be a shortage of some thing you need. It's just like having to think about everything. And you could argue that's a good thing because human beings should be thinking about their the consequences of their actions more clearly. And the fact that we didn't is why we are where we are right now. But it's a step change. And I think it's something I miss from before the event yeah i know what you mean about the spontaneity like i used to just spontaneously go and buy booze or shit food for my dinner i used to go to the petrol station and buy these really gross meatballs for dinner because it's a 24-hour petrol station and so no matter how late it got it didn't matter whereas now i have to really plan what i'm gonna eat for the whole week basically so yeah i know what you mean about spontaneity that it kind of sucks that everything's got to be rigidly planned out now yeah i i think that i would have to say that in general things are just so much less social which personally i'm i'm more naturally an introvert but it's gotten to a point where i only really hang out with the same couple people in like spaced out contexts and I'm really seeing how I miss a bunch of casual friendships that I've had with people where I just interact with like regulars at the pub that I know or uh, like people that I know at conferences that are like, you know, maybe I won't have dinner with that person, but it's nice to be able to see them and say hi and talk to them for five minutes. There's so many little social opportunities that that are missed. Yeah. Hugs is one I miss quite a bit. Uh, not having hugged anyone for a while is, uh, is quite tough. 
That, that's a difficult one. And, you know, obviously there's a good reason for that. And, you know, people need to socially distant and all that. But it's a very human thing to give someone a hug and, you know, comfort them or greet them or say goodbye to them with a hug. And uh, that's very difficult for months not being able to do that. Yeah. I also miss takeaway food, which um, I used to go. There's a chicken place, a pizza place. There's a Thai place I used to go to. And I could go to them now. They're still open. But for me, before, I, it was, I always felt a bit like I was wasting money and it's not the healthiest food in the world. And that I probably shouldn't be, but I was just so easy. Whereas now... I've got the excuse that, well, it's probably safe, but there's still that tiny chance, so let's not do it. And yeah, it's unhealthy and expensive anyway, so why don't I just cook some proper healthy food or something slightly more healthy at least? And so I miss that, like specifically the Thai place. It was terrible value for money in terms of filling you up and stuff, but it was so nice. And uh, so that sucks. I don't know exactly how it is over there right now, but at least here in in my city in particular, there's a lot of places that I really enjoyed that are just closed now. And there's no indication of whether or not they're going to come back. And there's definitely places where if somebody would have told me like, hey, you may never get to go here again, I would have been like, oh, crap, I, you know, I'm going to go and I'm going to order everything and I'm going to enjoy it and I'm going to tip really well. And, you know, the whole experience, I'm going to ball out because I'm never coming back. You know, if, if I would have known that, it would have changed how I experienced that place for the last time. Yeah. There's a pub right near where I live where I meet people who come to to me, if you know what I mean, because my flat's just tiny and shit, and it's nice to go out somewhere. And the pub's really close to me, and there's a, a kind of section in it. You have to walk all the way through and kind of snake through, and then there's this little room on its own almost, and it's got quite comfortable seats in it and it's like your own booth almost and so you can be in the pub but also be somewhat antisocial if you want to as well and i just really miss being in there with people who've come if people were coming to give me a laptop or whatever like that we'd go for a couple of pints while we did it and i just miss that so much yeah but yeah the other question then um what's the biggest change in society that we'd most like to see for me it is uh more distance generally lack of handshaking uh people just being a bit more hygienic generally because that always used to rub me the wrong way i think something that i've talked to a few different people about is something the city's done here is there are several streets where there was a lot of uh, restaurants where they've closed down the street completely and then kind of put like picnic benches out on the street so that people could eat outside separated. And I, I, I hope they just keep it like that because there are so many places where you don't really need to drive down that street. You could drive down a different street and there's these big open spaces that when we can interact with people again, will just be such a better social experience for everyone. I think the whole people caring for each other in their community was a big thing for a while. I think it peaked for a bit towards the beginning of the whole event and has tailed off of it. But there were a lot of people who really went out of their way to help their neighbors and other people in their community. And there are a lot of people who were either out of work 
or found themselves with a bit of extra time being furloughed or whatever. And they did a bit of extra over and above in order to help people nearby. And I think we've lost that in the 21st century. And I think it would be good to gain a bit more of that back again, where people look out for their neighbors and care a little bit more for people who live nearby. And I say that as someone who's getting a bit older. <laughs> so I hope people near me will look out for me when, you know, I fall down the stairs and, you know, they <laughs> make sure an ambulance comes for me. Thanks very much, neighbors. As soon as the travel restrictions are lifted, I will come and buy you a pint. Oh, man. I've not been in a pub for months and I miss that so much. The local pub have a whole, you know, online booking system and you can spend two hours sitting at a the reserved table in their car park that they've converted into a garden. It's a tiny, tiny pub. Um, and they have a back, a car park out the back and, uh, yeah, they've got tents over the top of them. Uh, what are they called? Marquees over the top of the, uh, benches. So yeah, you can follow the one way system, buy a pint, buy some pork scratchings, wander out the back, sit at your allocated bench. It's not the same. Like I've been in that pub months ago on my own with my Kindle and someone came over to me. I don't know them from Adam. I know zero people in that pub. And someone came over to me and said, Oh, I noticed you're sitting on your own. Do you want to come and sit with us? And I was like, Holy shit. Yeah. Okay. And I went and sat with a bunch of people and met people I'd never known before, never met before, chatted with all of them, had a bunch of beers, learned some interesting stories about these people in my local pub that's like 200 yards from my house. And if you're confined to your allocated table and thou shall not move and you're only allowed two hours in the pub, you lose that. You lose that friendliness. Sure enough, people will break the rules and they'll go and stand up in the queue and chat in the queue for for beer. But yeah, you don't get that social interaction quite the same when you're regimented in this way. Yeah, and I used to enjoy going and playing darts in the pub where I kicked all of your asses one time. And I'd just play against random people and just get talking and stuff. And there's just none of that to be had now. We only let you win because it was your birthday, Joe. <laughs> ah, okay. Right. You know what I hope they keep too is everybody has hand sanitizer out now. And I really hope they keep that. I hope that there are all these kind of like more cleanliness things they do. Everybody wipes the tables way more like regular rigorously now before it was like, eh, I don't know, we'll clean when we get to it kind of thing. But now it's like really like, okay, we really need to make sure that everything's clean. Like, you know, there's some restaurants that are like, okay, we know we're real serious about it, but you're at the pub. They're like, I don't know. We'll clean it when we get to it. Well, yeah. And mask use as well. Yeah. The mask too. That's great. I, I think, you know, everybody should like have masks now. So hopefully if they're sick, they use them, you know, you, you have it now. Hopefully everybody doesn't just go throw them away. Yeah. And hopefully it'll mean that there's less cold and flu type stuff going around and that we'll get ill less frequently. I think you mean fewer cold and flu. (laughs) 